1: First of all, Kongi to those of you who celebrate Lunar New Year, it is indeed, in case you missed it, the Year of the Dragon, considered the most prosperous of all of the various animals represented across the Lunar New Year calendars, suggested, not by me, but by those who celebrate Lunar New Year, that the next 11 months there will be a lot of Asian babies born across the world, It's just what I'm saying. Hey, uh, so it's my first time preaching. We had a brand new teaching team member last week. Join us virtually, Jacob Massey Chase. And uh, I'm excited to announce that Jacob and the message that he preached got more views on our online experience than any message that I've recently preached. Hello, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, come on. I ain't too proud to admit that, it's fantastic. So uh, just brilliant, good connection there. And uh, our online experience, we have that every single uh, week. We publish a brand new episode. You can grab that. And this is just a part of us uh, harnessing and making sure that we don't limit ourselves to just what we can do in a box, on a Sunday, in an hour, but using the tools that God's given us uh, the opportunity to spread and reach people beyond our four walls. So we're going to talk more about that. That's actually happening right now, 10am Sunday on the YouTubes and the Facebooks and the Elevate Church AU app. And uh, then we have, oh by the way, we're also starting to push out, thanks to a wonderfully clever AI program, some little uh, 30 to 60 second clips taken from the message uh, that we've got every single week, pushing them out on YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, and they're just little bite-sized chunks just to keep people inspired, but they're reaching like, uh, on average, since we started that, just on the YouTubes, 1.2, hang on, let me say that in English, 1,200 people a week currently, uh, just on those, so, uh, you know, again, just little opportunities. So if you haven't already uh, jumped on our Instagram, our Facebook, or our YouTube, you can just search Elevate Church Perth, or if you want to do it the lazy way, head into our foyer down the corridor, and there's flow codes for all of those. You can scan them, and you're in. Plus, we have a podcast. So we take this message, publish it every single week, Sunday, Sunday. Pretty much by midday, it's gone live. It's available on all the major podcast platforms. Just uh, this week, we, we broke through 85,000 total listens since we launched our podcast. We've promised cake at 100,000, so just uh, cool your jets. We're not there yet, but we, uh, some of you will even remember, Louie remembers when we celebrated not too long ago 70,000 listens. So now at 85, so between the 70,000 and today, we're halfway to cake. Anyway, it's more important that it's the people we're reaching. January, we had listeners across 15 countries. Many of the usual suspects, Oceania, Asia, Europe, North America. But there's one, and it's not the first time they popped up, but just keeps, to, keeps seeing this country represented in the numbers of people listening from there. And it just... <clears throat> It, it it literally blows my mind I sit there and I go really are you sure and uh, it's literally listeners uh, from the Islamic Republic of Iran which if you're not across geopolitics is the only caliphate controlled country on the planet where religion and religious leaders run the country and you know, ergo, it's not necessarily cool or legal or encouraged to be a Christian. And yet somebody's listening to, some people listening to our Elevate podcast from there. So how about we welcome all of the people joining us this week. But I'm just telling you, that's something to pray for. You're like, you, we, we, we wouldn't even be allowed to go there in many respects, uh, but we can go there and, and reach people digitally, which is just brilliant. So Louis mentioned we're starting a brand new series today. I want to start with a very, uh, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to make a very bold statement, just to kind of straight out of the gate, a bold statement. And, And the statement is this. There is a thing that you and I can actually do. And if we were to do it, and if and when we choose to do it, we tuck ourselves into God's slipstream more than any other thing we could do so there's a lot of things that we could do that would see us moving and walking and following in God's slipstream but there's one particular thing that positions us the absolute closest to God's slipstream than any other and I'll give you a clue and here's a clue the clue is something that Jesus himself said this is very famous super bowls on tomorrow morning don't call me i won't be available i'll be on my couch having some buffalo wings um, for breakfast because it's Perth time. Somebody will have this probably on a cardboard poster behind one of the end zones. John 3.16, as if we're all supposed to know what that means. So let's just talk about what it actually says. Jesus said this, this is how much God loved the world. In other words, of all of the ways that God could demonstrate His love for the world, the number one way was that He gave. Now, he didn't just give anything. Of course, he gave the most precious thing, the thing he only had one of, which was his son. his one and only son. But the point is this, that God expressed, according to Jesus, his love in the greatest possible way in the form of giving. Now, whilst I barely spoke a word when I went through high school, I was Captain Shy, uh, I actually was a part of our debate team. I don't know how that works. I'm not saying I was good, but I just was. And uh, so if I was a part of our high school debate team now and I was to take this and I was try to sort of put, this is my argument. This is is what I'm going to present to you during my little piece of debate. It it would look like this. Uh, God is love. I'm just going to kind of prove that just, but hopefully some of you already believe that. Uh, God does love like out of the expression of who he is, he does love. And that I'm gonna demonstrate to you that God's finest expression of love was in his giving. Now, I'm not gonna do that because I'm just gonna take Jesus at his word, that Jesus, when he said that God so loved the world that he gave. So like, I'm already there. Most of you are too, I know, but some of you aren't, that's fine. I don't actually have time to unpack this specifically. But what I would then drop the mic at in my allotted five minutes of debate time or whatever it was back then, um, I would drop the mic and say, therefore, love gives. Thank you very much. I feel sorry for the person that tries to debate that. See you next week. Well, this is the first week of a brand new series called More Than Enough. And we are gonna be talking about this idea of love gives. We're gonna look at it through the lens of something that Paul wrote. Now, Paul was a heavyweight in the early church and this is one of the letters and we're gonna look at that, two chapters of a specific letter. I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, and I've built this in the lead up as what we're gonna teach over these three weeks is one of the most important shifts that any one of us can make if you haven't already made it as a follower of Jesus. I, 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 it's definitely in the top 10, like from my point of view, probably in the top five, maybe the top three, but it's definitely in the top five. And the spoiler is that it's the shift from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. So hold that thought. I'm gonna come back to that. Now, let me mess, mess with your heads a little bit more. Uh, anyone willing to admit you like receiving gifts? Anybody, anybody like receiving gifts? Yeah, some of you are like, oh, is this a trick question? Uh, no, great, me too. Just in case you're wondering, for future reference, Bunnings gift cards, Bunnings gift cards. Cool, all right. Great, you like receiving gifts, heck yeah. But Check this out. Jesus said this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, that's a bummer. What a wet blanket Jesus is. Well, okay, first of all, no, because Jesus didn't say there's anything wrong with receiving. He just weighed them up. That it, that's, I mean, it's probably the reason he probably used the word more is like it's blessed to receive. Great. However, it's more blessed. To give, than to receive. In other words, when the balance of the scales kind of eventually line up, we will experience more bless, some blessing, receiving more blessing, giving. So let's look at that. If you've got your smartphone camera, scan this flow code. If you've got the Bible app installed, that helps. Uh, it will take you to the first of these two chapters that we're going to be unpacking, Second Corinthians. Chapter 8 from the New Living Translation. So this is one of the two letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Now, Paul was an early church, uh, entrepreneur, leader, uh, would start churches, would sort of train leaders, hand them over, sometimes keep in touch with them by way of letter. So this was a church in Corinth, uh, which was in Greece. And interestingly, um, we read that now, we go, yeah, Greece, sure, good on you, no problem. Ephesus, that was in Turkey, good on you, no problem. But actually the first iteration of the church was exclusively Jewish because that's just the part of the world that Jesus came to. And uh, the Jewish people actually initially limited themselves to only preaching the gospel about Jesus to fellow Jewish people. They actually thought it was their thing. Not like, not just, not sort of like withholding it from other people, but more just like, we, we, they just assumed that Jesus came for them. And actually, uh, a debate started to rage from among the leaders of the early church. Uh, This news that we have, it's kind of good, right? It's like, yeah, it's pretty good. No, no, it's not pretty good. It's the good news. Okay, it's the good news. Um, do, Do you think that we're meant to actually share it among people like beyond the Jewish community? And the other leaders are like, hmm, good question. Never thought about that before. So they're all debating because, you know, they can get to these other places in the world at the time, but they'd never thought to go there and start to tell them about Jesus. So three of the big dogs of the early church, Peter, James and John, they were kind of like the, like they were part of Jesus' handpicked 12 and they sort of became the three heavyweights that, that cha- chaired the decision-making process. They decided, yeah, actually, you know what? I think we need to go and share about Jesus to, they called it the Gentiles, just meant the non-Jewish people. One of the places was Macedonia, so that still exists today. And uh, they sent Paul to go and preach to the Macedonian people about Jesus. But when they sent him off, they actually gave him one very specific instruction beyond teach them about Jesus which was also make sure you teach them about generosity. That was the only specific instruction that they sent Paul off beyond teach about Jesus was also make sure that you teach them about generosity. So Paul did exactly that, into Macedonia, preached about Jesus. A number of years later, he writes this letter to the church in Corinth, just down the road from Macedonia, so to speak. And uh, he intentionally took the opportunity to brag to the church in Corinth about the church in Macedonia. I mean, how cool is that? Wouldn't you want to be the sort of church that Paul, when he wrote to another church, brags about you? Like, there's this church in Rivervale called Elevate Church. Let me tell you what they're doing. And the church in Corinth's like, well, we better lift our game. So he wrote to the church in Corinth about the church in Macedonia. Now I want you to know, Corinth people, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles.
2: Boo!
1: And they are very poor. Second, boo! But, and this doesn't make sense, they're also filled with abundant joy which we kind of don't connect those two dots, tested by many troubles, filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. Also a seeming paradox, very poor, rich generosity. In fact, in another translation of the, the letter, this expression, very poor, is used, they use the term deep poverty. And the word deep, <laughs> like how deep? It's actually the same word to describe how deep the ocean is. That's the depth of poverty that Paul was recognising that the church in Macedonia was experiencing. And yet somehow they were being bragged on by Paul to another church about how they were overflowing in rich, contrast to poor, generosity. To me, There's a way for this to not seem paradoxical. There's there's a journey, there's a shift, and I already alluded to it. There's a shift that we can make that will see us not actually any longer being limited by things like being tested by many troubles or being poor, like circumstantial stuff. And it's this. It's starting with a scarcity mindset. With a scarcity mindset, we assume there's not enough. We assume that if we were to be generous, if we were to give of ourselves, give of ourselves joy, enjoy give of ourselves in time, give of ourselves financially, if you have this mentality, you assume that you'll be left with less. And because you assume you'd be left with less, then it's dumb to act generously because you're actually decreasing yourself. And the motivation and really this mindset is actually powered by fear. And actually, typically it's powered by fear that's couched in the idea that somehow we are our own providers. We'll I have to provide for my family why would you put yourself under that much pressure? There's a better mindset. There's a shift that we can make and it's the shift to an abundance mindset. And this, is, this shift is the game changer. This shift, by the way, and I'm gonna talk about it, how it applies to finances, but it applies to everything. It applies to relationships. It applies to health. It applies to career. It applies to energy an abundance mindset. And the abundance mindset recognizes that you and I, we are not the source of our provision. What a, what a relief. Poof, boy, oh, I could take a nap just knowing that. I mean, God will use your job, your career, your business, your relationships. He'll use the things that He's put in your life and blessed in your life. But He's ultimately the source. And when we start to recognise that He's the source, we start to live out of faith and not fear. And we start to recognise that if I give something away, that doesn't mean I'll be left with less. It actually means I've now created more room, more space for God, my provider, the God who is more than enough to actually continue to get things into and through my life. Now I think, like, I, I'm, I'm at level 55. I, I prefer to say level 55 rather than 55 years old. I'm at level 55, which sounds better, much more experienced than people that are at a lower level than me. You, you're welcome. You can use that in the wild. You're, you're welcome. I don't think I made that up. I'm at level 55 in life. And, uh, and uh, I, I think I'm pretty much established in this abundance mindset. But I didn't grow up with an abundance mindset. Okay, And, and I want you to understand that. Because I'm, I'm proof positive that this shift is possible. Um, I grew up in High Wycombe. Good on you, High Wycombe another one of our church just bought another house in High Wycombe, we're repopulating High Wycombe, we're taking High Wycombe back for Elevate people. Um, And uh, and I grew up in a family and my family are wonderful and my parents are beautiful and they raised, my brother and I, I I applaud them, did a phenomenal job, obviously. Um, But actually when it came to, and, and they were Christians, but the church tradition that they were a part of and that I was raised in, actually typically operated more from the scarcity mindset Side of this equation, and so I grew up with that. I grew up with just kind of assuming that I don't have enough, assuming, worse still, that I'll never have enough, and therefore I better not actually give anything because I don't want to be left with less. Because what if I then perpetually don't have enough? And my mindset started to change when I connected into a church that started unpacking what God has to say about things that point to the possibility and the benefits and the freedom of living with an abundance mindset. Here's one. I mean, one of my biggest struggles this week was choosing one of the things that God had to say. I chose this one. This is Solomon, second wisest man that ever walked the earth. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. He gave us this wisdom. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then, so this is a conditional promise. Most God's promises are conditional. His love isn't, but His promises typically are. Probably want to write that down. <laughs> Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your crops then, meaning if you, if you do this, like if you don't, just don't even bother reading. Well, you can, just it'll highlight what you're going to miss out on. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now he's writing this to an agrarian uh, audience because you are like crops. That literally means income, wealth pointing to that bonds like my my shed's already overflowing. My wife keeps telling me to put stuff on gumtree okay he 's not talking about that either this, this and I could sort of limit this and say, your bank account will fill overflowing, and by the way, if I did, i can't imagine too many of you will push back like. I don't believe in that prosperity uh, stuff, but God, happy to have you throw some money in my bank account. Well, then you probably do kind of believe that God can prosper us financially, but it's not actually what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an abundance mindset that traverses all aspects of life, that, that, that says that if we honour God, He'll actually supply us to overflowing, to brim over. This is this God who is more than enough. This is how God's economy works. So you're listening to this and you're thinking, all right, okay, yep, all right, uh, I'm in. I'm gonna give today. And, And then you've got this picture that when you drive home, 11.45, you pull into your driveway and you can't actually get into your driveway because there's an armored truck there, and they've backed into your driveway, and they're unloading pallets of cash, and they're, and they're like, "Oh, thank God, you're home because we just want you to open your front door and we're going to just throw all this cash into your living room. You're welcome. God sent this, and you're like, "Haha, yes. Well, uh he might." not my job to tell you what God's not gonna do, but He might not, let's face it. Um, But one thing that I've discovered and one thing that God repeatedly promises is that He will supply more than enough of whatever it is you need if you're willing to first honour Him. And often it's things that money can't buy peace, joy, love. Uh, you know, sometimes money can't buy the health that you want. Bank account full, doctor's report not so good. So, our invitation is to live with an abundance mindset. And again, I mentioned I didn't grow up with this mindset and it didn't switch for me overnight. <laughs> In fact, um, I'd gone through Bible college. I was now working full time on the staff of the church that we were a part of, and I'd been working on the staff for several years. And I felt God speak to me and say I, that I was to give $200 to one of my colleagues. Now, here's a question you don't have to ask when that sort of thing pops up Is this God or is this the devil? the devil is never going to encourage you to be generous, okay? So I I was was quick to slice and dice that one, but I was like, all right, this is from God, $200. All right, I didn't say I was being paid much. I was being paid, but okay. And guess what I did? I gave my colleague $200. Nine months later, after God first nudged me to give it to them. My lag time, people had babies in the same time as it took me to give the $200. And actually wasn't that I didn't have the $200. I mean, I didn't have a lot of money back then, but I I think I could have like cobbled it together. But I was like, this is from God. Nine months Now, I hope my lag time will be significantly less when that sort of thing comes my way. And that's the sign of moving from this scarcity mindset over to this abundance mindset. Now, we're intentionally teaching this series and coupling it with what I've been billing over the last few weeks as a generational opportunity. Some of you are very rudely reading that right now while I'm preaching Love you, Sophia. Can't see if I'd say. It's all right. She wants to get ahead of the class. I applaud that. A generational opportunity, which we've called, well, we've called pioneering. So you've got a brochure in your orbit. I'd love you to grab that. I'd love you to not read that, but just make sure you've got one if you haven't already. Just keep it handy. Our team, we shared this on Monday night. So um, most of our team members have already. Uh, jumped in on this and been a part of this. Um, It's all about pioneering. Now, not because it's Lunar New Year, but here's the thing. Some of you already know this, and as weird as it sounds, that um, I, most mornings, I listen to Singapore radio. There's a reason, if you want to ask me in private, I'll tell you. I won't bore you with the details in public. There's a reason, but I do. So, most mornings I listen to Singapore radio. So, I know a lot about Singapore. I know far more about Singapore than someone who's not Singaporean, who lives in Perth, should know about Singapore. One of the many things I know about Singapore is that Singapore has only been an independent nation for just over 50 years. It was a British colony, then it had some sort of overlap with Malaysia and eventually became its own thing just over 50 years ago. One of the bonkers things about Singapore is that it's an island nation with actually no natural resources. Now, if you're West Australian, we know what it means to have natural resources. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, Singapore, no natural resources, and yet just over 50 years since becoming an independent island nation, Singapore enjoys the highest GDP per capita of any country on the planet. And that didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by coincidence. It happened because the first Prime Minister, uh, Mr Lee Kuan Yew, gathered together and cast a vision before the people that were a part of Singapore back then. They are now known officially by the government as the pioneer generation. They enjoy a ton of honour and, and some benefits coming back to them as well. The thing about pioneers, pioneers don't just look at what is. They also look at what can be, but they don't just look at what can be. They roll their sleeves up and say, how can I be a part of getting us from here to there? They don't ask the question, can it happen? They ask the question, how can it happen? And how can I be a part of this? And they just get into it and they make sacrifices. Pioneering is not glamorous. It's almost never glamorous, but somebody has to go first or somebody has to go next. So here we are. And I'm gonna, some of you know this, not many. And, and by the way, Neil, keep your mouth shut, very cheekily said that one of these kids down the front in 1950 is Jenny Green. I think you said one of the kids. You better not have said one of the ladies, Neil. That would just be rough. But it's not, right, Jenny? Correct. This is a group of people who in 1950 had no budget, no building. All they had was some Bibles, some faith and some kids who they knew needed to hear about Jesus. So we know very little about them. We know that in 1950, they launched this. They called themselves the Wayside Sunday School that four years later became Church of Christ Rivervale. They met somewhere in Rivervale under a tree. There's a a few urban myths about which tree. I don't even think which tree is the most important part of the story. I think the most important part of the story is no budget, no building no problem let's just get into it and 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 there they are in 1950 well this group uh, they sometime later moved in and started renting the RSL hall 3 blocks away then they got some land which is just here and built what was the first church building and opened that in 1963 we now call that hall 1 if you're like why is it called hall 1 it's because it was the first one built Nothing very clever about that. Uh, Neil and Vicki Gibb had their wedding in uh, Hall 1. Yay! Um, So that was the original church building. So when you go to the toilet, it's like, oh, that now starts to make sense. Then in 1976, what's now Hall 2 was opened as the next phase of our church building, again, by pioneers. And we have these three, which I think is just brilliant. These three people were a part of the church in 1954 and we're here in 1976 for the opening of phase two of what's now hall two in 1976. So this is Mr. J. Pierce on our left and then the Riles, Bill and Alan Ryle next to them. Just like, these are pioneers. And then in the 1980s, particularly the second half of the 1980s, the church was led by a guy named Barry Thigerson, and uh, Barry was living <laughs> in this. It didn't look like this when he was living in it. Just so you know, it's not times weren't that tough. Uh, this was the manse. Now, just if you weren't grew up in church, a manse is in some traditions where the leader of the church lived uh, next to the church proper, um, save costs typically. And uh, the manse, if you like, trying to picture where the manse is, the manse was here. Like some of y'all are sitting on the footprint of the manse. It's like, oh, I guess the manse isn't here anymore. Unless it's Rome, and the manse is under here. It's not. It got demoed. The church in that era, second half of the nineteen eighties, purchased the house next door, which became the manse, and similar time frame, the house next to that for use of other ministry and church related activities, and then got busy building this auditorium that we now enjoy. Um, this is Barry, the bald-headed guy. I asked Neil, because like, he looks like that now, but he's like a thousand years old now. I'm like, did he always look that old? And like, Neil's like, yeah, he he looked he looked a thousand years old when he was in his forties. I'm like, all oh, right, that's great. Anyway, uh, Barry's going to join us next week, and we're going to interview him. He's going to tell us some stories about that. This photo is taken there. Um, we don't know if he's stealing things or putting things down. We don't know. Um, but he was, he was a sleeves up kind of guy and uh, this is an example of that and uh, led the church through this phase. Now one of the things that is astonishing about this era of pioneering is the, the church, the people of the church made the commitment collectively that they would do the building work themselves. With the exception of the specific trades that you need to have license, plumber, electrician. So what you're seeing here is a 1980s version of what we call in Perth, a busy bee. (laughs) Involved a concrete truck, some wheelbarrows, some trenches and so on and so forth. And just pioneering, sacrificing, doing what needed to be done to start to build what's now our auditorium, which was commissioned and opened in 1989. Um, And so we today are sitting in and benefiting from all of those pioneers that have gone before us since 1950 through 1954, 63, 76, and 1989. The second half of last year, I really felt God speaking to me and the board have been a part of this journey as well to pioneer the next generation which is going to look like sacrifice. It's going to look like some hard work, but here's some good news. It's not going to look like being here on a Saturday when it's 42 degrees, pushing a wheelbarrow. So some of you don't need to suddenly run out the door and find another church. Um, We took our own step in 2015 and we purchased, let me show you, Uh, Sorry, I pushed the oops button. Julie, you might need to back me up here. Next. All right. So, some of you, if if you're directionally challenged, (laughs) you're sitting somewhere in here. This is Hall 1, Hall 2. These are the two houses that were purchased. In 2015, we purchased this property. Now that was a miracle. Barry didn't know that we purchased this property. I spoke to him about a month ago and he just he practically lost his lunch at the other end of the phone because we weren't meant to get it. There was axes involved. I'll let Barry tell you that story. He was on the receiving end of one of them. Um, it's bonkers. We purchased this property. We purchased it for just under a million dollars. We had to actually outbid some developers because if you've ever re- driven recently around this area, you won't see too many of these older... 1,000-square-meter blocks, you'll see them with four or five double-story brand-new swanky townhouses, such as the one that Rilo and Silo are living in, for example. And uh, we purchased that. Now, I'm just going to try and land this real quickly. Uh, Since we purchased it for uh, just under a mil, we now only owe $700,000. You know, like, $700,000? Well, if you purchase for a mil, it's pretty good that we only owe $700,000. But like, is that a lot? Well... It depends on perspective, perhaps. Two weeks ago, this photo showed up in my newsfeed. This is uh, Joel and Victoria Osteen. They lead Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. This is Joel ripping up their mortgage that they had with the Bank of America. This church, now it's a larger church than us, so it's, it's, it's not apples and oranges, but the spirit is the same. They purchased the stadium that the Houston basketball team, the Houston Rockets were playing in 20 years ago. And they took out a loan for 100 million US dollars to renovate it, 100 million US dollars. And 20 years later, having just attacked that mortgage, they two weeks ago made the final payment and now own that property outright and don't owe the bank a cent This is the same spirit that the Macedonians were operating in. This is Paul continuing to brag about them to the church in Corinth. I can testify they gave not only what they could afford, but far more and they did it, of their own free will. This uh, idea that that I'm inviting us to, to, to be a part of today, and we're going to continue this journey over the next three weeks um, is about us pioneering the next generation by actually aggressively chipping away, making a bigger dent on the loan that we have with ANZ on that property, which is a part of our footprint. Now, just to give you some perspective, this entire footprint that you see outlined in blue is approximately 6,000 square metres. And you couldn't buy this today. It wouldn't even look like this today. It wouldn't exist today. It wouldn't come on the market today. And thanks to the pioneers that have gone before us and the step of faith we took in 2015, we're there, yes, with some money owing. Um, and uh, we're currently servicing that mortgage from regular giving. And okay, it's not a terrible idea, but there's, there is a biblical precedent that, Giving, which we call our first 10% giving, is for ministry. And other giving for spaces and places is on top of that. And we do find that, and I do have this little slice in our brochure. When David and his son Solomon were commissioned by God to build the temple, they actually gave in addition to their regular giving to the temple. They gave over and above and they gave separately and there's an account of that, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You can read it for yourself later, or just actually just the highlight reel effectively. Where David declared about the temple that they were going to build, this is not a, just a place for people to meet each other, but a house for God to meet us. And then he challenged the people, and he had led first. He had, he had said what he's going to give first. Louie and I have been giving to building the future because we knew this was coming up. We started giving in November, so I'm just letting you know we're kind of modeling David, not with the same amounts that he was giving, (laughs) not yet anyway, Um, but the same spirit. We're trying to lead by example here. And then he turned to the people. Now, how about you? Who among you is ready and willing to join in the giving? And then at the end of that, you'll read that people were full of a sense of celebration, all that giving, all given willingly, freely. So just an incredible, incredible journey that we enjoy and we stand on the shoulders of the pioneers that have gone before us, we have the opportunity to position, elevate for the next generation to stand on our shoulders, bringing in wins like ownership. Because here's the thing, some of you know this, if you've ever like paid down a mortgage or paid off a mortgage, you can now do whatever the heck you want with that property, it's yours. The bank can have an opinion, too bad, not listening to you anymore. Well, we wanna get closer and closer to that. There's opportunities for us to upgrade our facilities. We certainly wanna release resources. When people are giving their first 10%, we want that to go to ministry. And then for other giving to take care and keep the bank happy and aggressively pursue uh, the first goal there. And then that's just gonna open up things for us in the future. So here's our good friend, Rick Painter. By the way, I've gone over time. I'll buy you some coffee afterwards to make it up to you. Here's our good friend Rick Painter just sharing some words of encouragement for us.
2: Well, good day, Elevate Church. Today I'm speaking to you from the online studios of Gateway Church in Melbourne, which is part of the A2A Church Network in Australia. Now, I was with you in person last November, and it's great to have this opportunity to share with you again as you consider together what God is showing you about pioneering again. From my discussions with Mark, and from the potential I saw at your church site, Elevate stands on the edge of amazing possibility, a a once-in-a-generation opportunity to forge ahead into the future, to pioneer again, as did the saints of former years. It's not an easy thing to do, to imagine and dream. It's even harder to lead others to see what is yet unseen. So I commend Pastor Mark and the Elevate leadership team for their vision and faithfulness as they lead you in this season. When we found the building that has become the home of Gateway Church, it was just an abandoned factory. I remember thinking, "Can we do this?" And it's going to take a lot of faith for this to become a house of worship. At that time, an elderly member of our church who was with me at that first meeting shared with me later about a similar time when the people of his former church bought vacant land in order to build a church building. And he said something like this, Rick, in my experience, Christians always stand on the shoulders of faithful followers who have gone before them, who gave their time, talent and treasure To make real what was not yet, every generation must lay foundations for future generations of faith. But take heart, pioneering has always been a hallmark of the Christian church. I'll never forget those words and I'll always hold that encouragement close to my heart. Because it also rings true with what God's word tells me about times when we just need to trust God and step forward. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, we read, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It takes faith and sacrifice by the people of God to bring to completion the work of God. I want to say that again. It takes faith and sacrifice by the people of God to bring to completion the work of God. Elevate Church, I'm so excited by what I believe you can achieve together. It's time to pioneer again for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God in your city. God bless you.
1: Great, great. So as I mentioned, next week, Barry is going to join us and uh, share some Acts stories. That's this Acts, not the book of Acts. You may now grab this brochure. I'd strongly encourage you to do so. You'll see in the back of the brochure this little card here and we've just called this Count Me In and it's very intentionally just asking you if you want to be part of pioneering again to just put in your name and your email. You won't see a dollar amount on that card. And the reason we haven't put a dollar amount is we have no idea. We have no benchmark. In the last 15 years we haven't specifically going after a project like this. So we're kind of like, I don't know. We don't know how much, we don't know. We're just gonna let God do His thing. Uh, But actually we have set one goal and the goal is 100% participation. And so I just wanna invite you, as I said, Louie and I have been in since November. Our team jumped in on Monday night at our all-in team night. If you're ready to be a part of this, and again, we're not gonna follow you up with invoices, we're not gonna be tracking, giving. This is all about saying, I want to be part of the next pioneering generation. Grab that, and in the next few minutes, as we wrap up, fill that out, drop it in the boxes that are at the doors in the back of the auditorium before you go. And uh, we're actually just going to use those details to keep in touch, keep updating, keep inspired. This is what's happening. This is how much has been given. This is how much we've been able to redirect from the bank to ministry investment. So that's what this card's all about. There's a pen there. You can even keep the pen. You're already one step ahead. Um, Grab that. But actually, we're not asking you to even know what amount your amount is today, because I appreciate. You're here, you're like, oh, this is kind (laughs) of... We're going to continue unpacking this over the next few weeks. What I would like you to do and invite you to do is from here, go away. If you're married, pray with your spouse. If you're not, pray by yourself and just ask God, God, what amount, how much would you want me, us to give and be a part of this? And then when you're ready in the next day, week, couple of weeks, month, just start giving and uh Once we've got these details, I'll personally follow you up just to say thanks. Brilliant, well done, good on you. And uh, we'll keep in touch that way. But right now, before I invite Louie up, if you wanna be a part of that, how about you grab that card and let's pray. And uh, those of, you know, team members have already done this on Monday night, as I mentioned. So if they're not reaching for this card, don't think that they're ducking. (laughs) They're very, our team are incredibly all in, which is so inspiring. If you're ready, just grab that. I'm gonna pray for us, pray for you. Pray for our future in this particular expression. God, I thank you that you always wanna see your gospel advance, just like you did when, when the early church leaders kind of unlocked the doors to the Gentiles, that it was always about pioneering and taking new ground. And that God, that we'd be people that trust you, that you are the God who's more than enough, that when you call us to take steps of faith and steps of sacrifice, you're already waiting you're already waiting with provision. You're the God who is more than enough. And God, we just, we just come together as a church. This isn't on any one person's shoulders. This is us as a body, standing on the shoulders of the generations that have gone before us and putting our hand up and saying, we wanna be part of the next pioneer generation. And God, I I trust and I believe and I am confident that you will do exceedingly and immeasurably more than we can even ask for or imagine for us, in us, And through us, and I'm excited that we're going to be sharing miracle stories, not just of provision, but stories of transformation, lives changed, salvation, baptism, generational curses broken, opportunities unlocked, vision unleashed, miracles just just becoming kind of commonplace, but never taken for granted. So we thank you in advance for everything that you've set us up to put our hand to. In Jesus' name, amen.